The following is a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S.com. Before we go and uh, get into Podshot 3, uh, my interview with Mark Ramsey, host of Inside Psycho, I uh, just kind of wanted to point out, if you're regular listeners, this is going to be a little different. Uh, it's it's clean. Um, they didn't want to really pepper too many swear words in there like we normally do uh, for a number of reasons. But um, because I'm doing this to replace our normal sponsors, it, make sure you support the people that support us. Go to thehate.com, uh, the H-V-I-I-I.com. Use the coupon code HBG15. Get 15% off your order. Uh, also, Status Fear Merch. Dot com uses the coupon code terror for 15 percent off there um so thank you thank you very much if, you, if you've never listened to this podcast before this is, like i said this is a different episode uh very different feel than a normal one um uh, but thank you for taking the time to listen to this and we hope you check out the other ones and, and can get into them uh without further ado this will be the interview with mark ramsey to a special podcast of terror i guess you could call it uh we're, we're doing an interview which is new to me i was explaining to our guests that this is not something i've ever done before in the uh the strictest of senses i mean we interview people all the time but this is we're gonna try this, this is gonna be something new so we have uh mark ramsey the the host of the new and that's not really new anymore there's three episodes out correct already yeah three episodes out means it's no longer new how <laughs> what kind of a situation are we in yeah well you put out three episodes and it's yeah well you know that new tv series three episodes deep yeah, it's, it's old hat three now. weeks let's old move um, let's move on to the next thing yeah. that's very that's very it's very internet well technically know? it's halfway over so it's, um, it's not new it's halfway true, done actually. But, That's uh, true. I, I think the beauty of it, though, is that it's going to be evergreen because even when it's over, it's new to you, right? That's true. Uh, if you haven't already listened to it. That's true. I know we've mentioned it before, but uh, the, the Inside Psycho podcast. Now, um, a couple a couple months ago, we actually did Psycho on our podcast with Annie Chang and Christina Mueller. So it was really awesome to see this come full circle. And not only that you were willing to take time out of your very busy day because your podcast is a lot cooler than ours. Um, no, to sit no, down no. and talk to us. It's a lot different. It's, it is. It's very different. It's two very different worlds. But um, yeah, I was, I was really impressed, actually. When you emailed me back the first time, I like stopped what my wife was doing, and I said, Mark Ramsey emailed me. <laughs> she was just like, wow, that's that's cool, I guess. And I'm like, no, you, don't, you weren't going to hang out on the internet. Oh, she knows. When, when it, she was oh, the one man. that actually told me about Inside Psycho. <laughs> Oh, good. Well, I'm glad to tell her to keep on spreading the word. I yeah. appreciate it. Yeah, she's a she's a science nerd, so their their worlds don't overlap with ours as much. Yeah. But, okay. Uh, before we go ahead and get into it, do you want to kind of give everyone a kind of a background on what Inside Psycho is? And, and... yeah, so um, I don't know. About a year ago, I had this. I've always looked at the podcasting space, and I said, you know, this. There's a lot of stuff here, but I look at the top of the charts and I don't feel like it's America. You know, I don't I don't feel like every formula has been followed. Um, like there's a lot more content out there, a lot more different flavors of content out there, a lot more different approaches than what we see reflected in in the charts and what people are consuming right now. Once you get around news, once you get around sports, once you get around, you know, um, uh, conversational shows like this one, um, it's like the. The, the stuff isn't all that 
unique. There are a few storytelling ones. There are a few, you know, there's a lot of true crime all of a sudden. Thank you, Serial. Um, but I thought, well, what about the rest of everything people are interested in? One of the things I know people are interested in is movies. I'm interested in movies. I'm on the board of the Broadcast Film Critics Association. Every year we do the Critics' Choice Awards uh, this past year on A&E. And I thought, well, you know, how do I kind of graph that interest onto this space, this platform, which I understand I have some experience in? How do I bring those two things together? And um, I thought, what's the perfect movie to start with? I mean, I'm a horror fan. I'm a movie fan. Um, and I, and, you know, I, I know how to find a good story. And when you look at the story behind Psycho, I mean, there's many movies in the genre that have compelling stories. But, um, the, you know, Psycho is one of the earliest for which we have a lot of scholarship and a lot of information about what went on behind the scenes. And it's really pretty amazing. And I thought, this is such a cool story. Um, let me try and tell this in six chapters. Um, because that seems like a good number. I actually, when I did, when I said it was six, I had no idea <laughs> what that meant. You know, I had done it. The, the, the show was sold on the basis of the teaser, which is six minutes long. Uh, and they said, yes, let's do it. And I said, well, how long is it going to be? And I said, six chapters. And how long is each chapter going to be? And I said, 20 to 30 minutes. <laughs> so I just made it up. And um, so then once I got into writing it and realized that what people didn't tell me was that this means you actually have to write like 180 pages of content, two hours of content, because it's all scripted. And that's another thing about it. It's all it's not like a typical storytelling podcast where you've got some guy telling a story with an audio bed. This is fully produced. This is immersive audio. I intended this to be more like a movie uh, uh, without pictures than a podcast with a soundtrack and a narrator. I intended it to be what I'm referring to it now as, is kind of an audiographic novel because it's a lot of short little vignettes um, that take you all the way through before, during, and after the story and, uh, and, and telling the story in a really enlightening way. And I really think that whether or not you're a nut about Psycho, whether or not you're a nut about Hitchcock, it doesn't matter. If you like the genre, if you like the story, if you are the kind of person who's a, a, you know, a creator, someone who likes to make stuff, someone who puts their music into the world or their writing into their world or their blogs into their world or their IT into the world, you know, their coding. If you put your own stuff into the world and you invest in it and you take a chance on it, you will appreciate this show because what I realized as I was writing it was that um, the story of Hitchcock is that story. It's the creator's story. It's the story of a guy who was famous, but he decided to do this movie that um, everyone around him told him not to do. His studio said they're not interested in it. They hated the idea. They thought it was beneath him. They thought it was a B movie and they wouldn't do it. That's why he ended up at Universal. Um, he had to put his own money into it, um, which means he took all the chance. So here he was at this kind of mature stage of his career. He was like 56 years old at this point. And he had to put his own money into this movie and take a chance with a movie that everyone told him would be beneath him at a time in his career when he really couldn't afford it because he was on top. You know, that's not usually a time when you take a big risk. 
Um, it's usually the time when you play it safe mm -hmm. if you're in the movie industry. And here he was doing this thing. And, and what happened to him, what I think makes the story so compelling are the parts you haven't heard yet. The next part dropping on Thursday is the, is the, is the part that covers the second half of production and the shower scene and all that. So that's kind of the benchmark part. And uh, the title for that chapter is Men Do Kill Nude Women, You Know. So I suspect it'll get a lot of traffic <laughs> um, you know, for that reason alone. If you're watching but, the video live, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but if you're watching the no video place. live, that will be two days from now. If you're listening to this when it comes out on iTunes and everything, that'll actually be today. Okay. Somehow we're both in the future and the present and yep. the past all yep. at the same time. That's we're the used beauty to it. So anyway, the, the latter chapters, though, the, the second to last five and six, five is, you know, the release and the critical reception, which was very mixed. A lot of people hated it. And the audience reception, which was wildly positive. And then the problem, the biggest problem that Hitchcock had, which is how does he top it? It's the biggest movie of his career, and he's faced with the problem. Everyone looking to him, how do you top it? And then you add that to the challenges he had. Um not only trying to top it and failing, but the fact that despite all his success, he was never given the recognition that he felt and a lot of people felt he deserved by his peers. He never won an Oscar for his work. He won an honorary Oscar, which is, you know, not viewed the same way. And he won a Life Achievement Award at the very, very end of his life. And I tell that story. So this whole arc of Hitchcock, he comes in, you know, guns blazing, ready to create this cool thing that he believes in that everyone says is crazy, but he believes in it. He takes a chance on it. It's a wild success. And then he has to deal with the fact that he can't figure out how to recover from it, how to, how to, how to repeat that success. And ultimately, uh, the industry looks down on their noses on him anyway. So that's why it's such an interesting story. It's the, his is the hero's story. You know, his is the creator's story. And anyone who's ever made something and put it out into the world in the hopes that it hits. And if they're lucky enough to have it hit, they will know exactly how he feels. I, wow, that's insane. I, I'm up to date on it. So it was really interesting as, as a consumer of your content to hear more about Alfred Hitchcock than just the birds and Psycho. And, and every, <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Like at face value, I'm really pretty young to be in the know on alfred hitchcock but i obviously i mean i'm old enough that i it's not that far off um so to hear like the, the scene that you did and i don't want to ruin anything for anyone that hasn't listened to it but the scene in which uh, you talk about his death yeah it was really cool just the way that it was it was done um and to learn actually how he passed away because i had no idea it's just he just died one day so that was it was really cool now my first question to you is since I mean, you mentioned you're a horror fan, obviously you're doing a psycho <clears throat> podcast. How did your love for horror kind of start? Oh, wow. Um, I was a monster kid. It's that simple. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's it's a, it's generations of people started that way. Whether it's, you know, I, I mean, I was the kid who had the haunted house in his basement that in my case, nobody went to. <laughs> yeah. I got something to prove with the podcast. So, but, uh, you know, I loved all that stuff as a kid. I love it today. Um, I, uh, I, you know, it's, 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 it's stayed with me. I've got every, you know, universal movie in my collection. Uh, I've introduced my wife to all the hammer movies and she's into that now We're we've going, going through all three Blu-rays of Vincent price, uh, the Vincent price collection. 
So all the old stuff, as well as the more contemporary stuff, uh, you know, I think that the, uh, the, the premium stuff that's coming out now, a lot of the Blumhouse stuff is awesome. And it's just, it's a, it's a, a, a genre that is all about kind of release and both pleasure and torment at the same time. And it's, it's, you know, and it, it, so I think from the very beginning and, you know, that whole monster kid evolution dates to a time when, um, you know, these were all like, uh, uh rebels, you know, rejects, uh, ostracized, um, um, uh, people who had feelings too, right? The mummy, the werewolf, all these guys, they had feelings too, Frank. I mean, the original Frankenstein, which people really should go back to just for that one scene when Karloff is doing the thing with his hands. It's just so affecting. So uh, from that point to now, and I was super young then, obviously, but um, uh, it, still, um, it still motivates and I'm, I, I still am attracted to it. Um, and I think that, you know, that the one of the per things I wanted to do with this show was reach beyond kind of the genre fans into the broader category fans and tell a story that was more universal. I mean, the best stories are universal stories, right? I don't mean Universal Studios. <laughs> the best, I definitely don't mean Universal Studios. Um, the best stories are universal stories. And that's why, you know, it, the process of this inside cycle thing is not a you know, linear retelling beginning to end. Not at all. Hitchcock dies in part two, you know, but then suddenly he's back to life for the rest of part two. So I, it's not at all linear. It's not just the facts. It's not a Wikipedia entry. It's not radio theater. It's, it's, it really is audiographic novel and it's intended to tell a story that's bigger than the genre so i hope what people find i hope what your wife finds what you find and what your fans find is that when you listen to this gosh this is something that i relate to on a level that's deeper than my affection for hitchcock for horror for psycho for movies it's something deeper it's about making something and taking a chance and then dealing with the consequences of success and failure because the consequences of both, it turns out, can be really challenging. So um, <clears throat> now your your podcast is, uh, I hate to use the term heavily produced, but it's heavily produced, you know. Uh, we do minimal editing here. So I, I guess I'm curious, how roughly how much time do you spend with the sound production and everything per episode? Well, okay, so <clears throat> my team is really a team of two, not counting the folks at Wondery. This is a... <clears throat> I should say when we pitched this, we pitched it to Wondery. Wondery is one of the main podcast uh, platforms. And we picked Wondery because Wondery, uh, the guys there come from Fox TV. So they come from a television mindset. They come from a storytelling mindset, a beginning, a middle, and an end mindset. I deliberately wanted to create something that had a linear arc to it, not something that was something that was designed to be presented every single week. And once you get to this week's, last week's is now disposable. I wanted a, a story that lived on, like television. So I teamed up with a guy named Jeff Schmidt, who is an audio production whiz. And uh, this was something he was felt passionate, passionately about, as I did. He said, you know, you're going to have to write this for audio. And I said, I know, I'm going to write it for audio. <laughs> so I wrote it for audio, and he brought all the flavor to it. So he created all that texture based on the work. You know, I did my audio. I laid down my audio first, my, my narration and hosting first. And then he brought all the magic to it. 
Um, and that kind of collaboration is really what makes it so amazing. There's never more than, I mean, at one point we used a third, a third voice, but it, it's almost all me. And uh, the production is all Jeff. And those two things really came together. But one of the things we set out to do was to, was to demonstrate how powerful audio can be in a world that has forgotten how powerful audio can be. I mean, audio is a more uh, intimate sense than, than video. Um, yeah, video is more popular. Video is way easier to consume because a picture is literally worth a thousand words. And it takes a thousand words to communicate a picture, which means it's harder. It's, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just more time consuming. It's more trouble. It's more work. That's always going to make audio kind of a stepchild of video. However, audio has a power all its own. And when you're walking around, when you're on a treadmill, when you're, you know, on a bus, on your way to work, on a bike, whatever, and you put those earbuds in and you listen inside Psycho, you, I think, will be transported to the middle of the experience. You're not listening to a story. You're not hearing an audio bed. And it is not a friggin' audio book because audio books are the worst, in my opinion, in that regard, <laughs> in that. It's just some guy, maybe a celebrity, maybe the author, reading the book with no anything in the background. It is, you know, you might as well go to the go to the uh, Barnes and Noble to a book reading. It's the same experience. So that's how we did it, and that's why we did it. We we set out to prove a point, and what Jeff put in was, I mean, the teaser alone, which is five to six minutes long. That's five hours of audio production. That's, that's insane. I could, I could not imagine ever doing that. Well, neither could I, which is why I have Jeff. Fair <laughs> enough. And that's, that makes perfect sense. Now, um, do, you, do you have like a normal nine to five job or is Inside Psycho kind of your thing, your, your project right now? Oh, no, no. My, my work is in the audio space. So I work with uh, broadcasters. I work with people in the podcast space. I work with, I've worked with Apple before and I do marketing strategy and, and, okay. and, uh, and research for people in that space. So, you know, I'm, a, I'm kind of a, a guy who's been around the audio space forever. And I've especially been around the radio space forever. And if ever there's a space which should understand and, and leverage the power of audio, that is it. So this is also kind of an illustration to them to say, look what you can do if you set out to do it. That's, that's impressive. It is very impressive, the amount of, of effort and how deeply you're into this, which is cool. It's always nice to see other uh, creators of content that are very passionate about what they're doing. So I can appreciate that. Um, that was one of the things they told me. I said, you know, I mean... They don't. That's the great thing about working with Wondery is they didn't uh, say, "Why don't you do, you know, uh, uh, why don't you do uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre instead?" They said, "Well, if this is the one you're passionate about, let's let's do it mm -hmm. and give it your all." And I think that's the key. You give it your all. You put it out there. You give it the best chance for success, and then you uh, you know you you wait and see what happens. But uh, uh, this is, I think designed to be kind of an illustration of just how powerful the audio can be. And the fact that it's genre is intentional because if you go back to even old radio theater from the thirties and forties, um, some of the most effective shows in that era, the Arch Obler shows were um, horror, were genre. And it's because 
you know, just like movies, right? What makes Jaws so successful? The fact that the shark, the, the damn shark was broken all the time and it never worked. As a result, you never saw it, right? Yep. So the less you see, the better it is. This is, you see this play out in, uh, you know, the Blumhouse movies right now, the good ones where you actually don't see stuff a lot. And that old kind of thing of open the refrigerator, close the refrigerator, oh, there's something on the other side of the refrigerator. You don't see that in those movies. <laughs> They of, generally don't do that. That's kind of a, you know, we, we've moved on past that. And now there's much more respect for the things that lurk in the shadows, the things that you can't see. Um, and I think that is, if you're going to talk about one area where audio can excel, it's that because it's all about pictures you make in your own head. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned um, doing six episodes at roughly 20 to 30 mm-hmm. minutes a piece resulted in two hours worth of, of page writing, essentially. Now, having finished the podcast, um, do, do you wish it was longer or shorter? I mean, obviously, I'm sure yeah. that... Um, you know what? I think it's uh, I think it's just right, I have to say. Uh, my intention was to be between 20 and 30 minutes because I wanted each chapter to be the length of a commute. Oh. You know, the length of an average commute. Um, and that was the, that was intentional. There were other things I did in this that I think were intended to be deliberate. Um, I opened, you know, there was conversation about opening with last time on Inside Psycho, and I didn't want to do that because, you know, I wanted to open with new information because I figure anybody who wants to know what happened last time can go to the feed and listen last time. Why you'd want to pop in at episode four is beyond me anyway. Unless you're coming in because the word nude is in the title. That's a different story. <laughs> um, it, so I didn't want to do that. And I wanted to end. And, the, and they said, well, end with, a, you know, next week on Inside Psycho. And I said, let me do it a little differently. Let me work the, the, the tease for what's coming into the actual end of the episode. I mean, I was listening to episode three, which is as of this recording, the latest one out. And the last minute and a half of the episode is talking about the setup for the shower scene and mm-hmm. how that was really the centerpiece of the movie. And Hitchcock was betting everything on it. And if it failed, it would be all on him. And, and you know, next time on Inside Cycle. I mean, that's more the kind of setup that I'm interested in. So when you wrap all that up, I mean, I think 20 to 30 minutes is about right. What I didn't realize was that it would amount to 180 pages of text. <laughs> when I'm writing it, that was a bit of a surprise. But, you know, it was, uh, I think, again, so few of these shows are like written that way, uh, unless they're a journalism show, which is a whole other animal, um, that it was kind of fun to kind of write this story and make it kind of quasi dry. I mean, there are, there are recreations uh, where I play both parts uh, because I didn't want to do radio theater. I didn't want to have other characters interacting because that's it just takes people out of the experience i thought and it it tries to push a genre on people which hasn't been something they understand in 40 years 50 years so forget that i wanted to be utterly contemporary and um and really tell the story in a way that uh, more like reading a storybook you know if you have a child you read a storybook you read all the roles mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. you read the queen you read the ogre you read both so that's how it's, you know, it's the difference is that it's also heavily produced. There's another difference too that you haven't touched on. And that is, and I think you're deep enough to hear it, but there are illustrations of facts that are, you know, that take creative license. Um, 
it's no different from a biopic, right? If I had a movie, you wouldn't say, well, is this a doc? Obviously it's a documentary. No, it's a movie. <laughs> it's not a documentary. This is not a documentary. This is an audio movie. That's a good way to describe it. And when you were talking about uh, creative license, the, the, the scene I instantly thought of was um, when you're describing being inside of Ed Gein's house. And I don't know, it's terrifying to me. And I don't live that far away. I've grew up around Ed Gein mm. and, and on Jeffrey Dahmer and all of that. Uh, but still, just the way that you described it really made me feel like I was standing there, which I thought was really impressive. Because, I, I mean, I listen to and watch stuff all the time, and not everything really gets me the way that your description of that house did. Yeah, what we did was um, I had this idea to, you know, since since the, the Ed Gein murders in Wisconsin were, for anybody who doesn't know, the uh, prime a primary inspiration for the Norman Bates character for Robert Block when he wrote the book. So the first chapter, the first part of the story is kind of the Ed Gein story uh, front to back. And um, I had this idea of kind of telling the story of what people found at his house and in all its horrors uh, by essentially taking a tour <laughs> of his house before the cops get there. <laughs> So that was the story, you know, that here we are. Welcome to Ed Gein's house. Let's take a tour around. We'll describe what you're seeing. So that was kind of the the artistic way of approaching that. I could have easily have I could as easily have said, and here's what the cops found when they get there. Mm -hmm. And to me, that would have been more lifeless. It was more interesting kind of discovering it with the audience rather than telling the audience what we discover. And that's, again, an illustration of the power of the medium. And, you know, it can do, audio can do, and I say this to you, I say this to anybody who's watching or listening, I say this to people in radio and podcasting, and I say this to people in the advertising space. Audio can be amazingly powerful, but you have to expect more from it. Mm -hmm. And then you'll get more from it. That's awesome. That's it's, it's so impressive. Because I'll listen to audiobooks. I... Mm -hmm. um i drive to milwaukee a lot it's a two-hour each way commute and um i don't like reading based on mm -hmm. what i was explaining to you before about how i very very something new happens i, I switch so so audiobooks kind of help to keep me focused and i never really thought about what was actually missing when you just have someone reading vanilla words on a page versus someone actually creating a scene with words and sounds um, so now you've ultimately ruined audiobooks for me. <laughs> well, I hope not. Um, no, it's, it's but fine. they will never, I will tell you, they will never put this much investment into an audiobook um, as we put into this. Mm -hmm. um, so I hope that, that's why I really hope that as time goes by, and especially, I think once we get to the fall, I think the, it's very likely that Inside Psycho is going to have a second life when we hit October and, oh, yeah. you know, people are looking for this kind of stuff. Because, I, I mean, it really does, you know, there's a reason why all the good horror movies come out in October and the other ones come out in January. Um, <laughs> there's a reason for that. And it's because, you know, you match kind of the appetite with the, with the time in which people won't, both, most want that experience. Mm -hmm. And, I, I, you know, in this case, the thing wasn't done in time for last Halloween. Um, it was done right around the end of the year. You know, there's no sense in keeping it in the can for 10 months. So so we put it out. Um, if we do a second season, so far the signs are that we will. Um, we'll be choosing a different movie, and the goal will be to uh, have it ready uh, 
in time for Halloween. Well, you, 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 you're very good at answering questions that I plan on asking in the future. <laughs> but uh, I guess with there being three episodes left, uh, what can people kind of expect for the rest of this season of Inside Psycho? Well, let's assume that those people aren't caught up yet. So the first one is the Ed Gein story. The second one is kind of introducing you to, to the author of the book, Block and Hitchcock, and telling some of those stories about how <clears throat> uh, Block... Um, um, you know, after he wrote this, based on the clippings that he saw uh, of the the Plainfield massacres, he was stunned by how close to life his concoction, Norman Bates, was to the real guy, Ed Gein. And he had to wonder, what was it inside of him that created that out of nothing when, in fact, it was so true to life? Uh, and then come to find out he his book gets optioned by this mysterious Hollywood director for next to nothing. Which, which turns out to be a guy with plenty of money, Alfred Hitchcock. Uh, and then we tell the Hitchcock uh, backstory, including a couple of funny anecdotes. I saw somebody the other day. I was in Los Angeles and uh, um, uh, a guy approached me. We were supposed to have a meeting and a guy who's an actor in L.A. He approached me and he said, um, and he said, um, uh, uh, the, uh, the star of Lifeboat, um, uh, she, didn't, she didn't wear any underwear. And I said, well, he obviously listened to part two. Um, and then part three is you know, casting the movie, making the movie, and the origin of the voice of Norman Bates' mother, which is a great story because I actually talked to the guy who was um, that voice. Um, there are actually, technically, there are three voices used in the movie as Norman Bates' mother. But the guy who started it all and the guy whose voice is mixed in was a friend of Anthony Perkins, uh, back in the day, and I tell the story, I, I show the story, I illustrate the story of them prank calling movie stars, uh, which is what they did. And his friend Paul Jasmine used this this older woman's voice. And uh, Tony just thought it was the funniest thing in the world. He recorded all this stuff and he would play it for all his friends. And one of the people he played it for was Alfred Hitchcock. And Hitchcock liked it so much, he said, that's the voice of mother. So uh, that that story is in part two and then or part three. Uh, part four is the last half of the making of the movie, including the shower scene and the music and, and the, and the design and all that five is the release where there was a lot of anxiety. Um, and, uh, the reviews, which were, as I say, very mixed and the audience reception, which was great. Um, and then six is really kind of what happened next. It's the legacy of the movie, which is, is you know, astonishing. Uh, I mean, you know, the, the uh, number of characters named Loomis in movies. I mean, can we even <laughs> count them? It's getting ridiculous. I'm, I might as well change my name to Loomis at this point. Um, there should be Loomis and Loomis. That should be the name of the show right there. there. That's a great podcast, Loomis and Loomis. Um, and uh, the what the movies owe to that. But then more interestingly, again, the Hitchcock story. You know, what happened to him after? How he had to, you know, face up to, um, everyone said, how are you going to top it? And he was just like, how am I going to top it? Um, and how Hollywood, you know, declined to give him the Oscar for that movie or any other. How he got the honorary, honorary Oscar and he was, you know, insulted by it. How he got the Life Achievement Award when his life was almost months from ending. Um, and what he owed to his wife. And my favorite part of the series is in that final part. Um, when I show the story of him 
um, accepting the Life Achievement Award from uh, from uh, uh, the Hollywood Life Achievement Award. And um, in his comments, uh, essentially focusing solely on his wife and thanking her for being with him for all of his adult life. And that the heart of that one moment is for me the best part of all six episodes. That two-minute segment in part six is the money shot. It's the best part of all six episodes because it is the, the emotional core of Alfred Hitchcock. And it's uh, and I think anyone who has a spouse standing by them as they go through thick and thin, um, supporting them, helping them, being their partner in life, will really um, relate to that moment. And that's why it's bigger than an anecdote. It's bigger than a story. It's bigger than one movie. It's bigger than Hitchcock. It's bigger than the genre. It's bigger than movies. It's about, you know, who we are as humans. And that's the kind of universal story worth telling. And that, I hope, is what people get out of this series when all is said and done. If you haven't been convinced yet to listen to this podcast, I feel like you just sold it to anyone that's <laughs> on the so. fence. You just sold it with that little speech right there. Um, terrific. Well, I, I know you're super busy, so I don't want to keep you too much longer. But do you want to? Uh, where can people find you on social media, the podcast, and all all that good stuff? Well, Inside Psycho is the show, and you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Um, it's a Wondery show, so you can find out more at InsidePsycho.com. We'll take you right to the Wondery site. Wondery's a great group of people, and they have a lot of good shows, by the way. Um, and uh, on Twitter, it's uh, at, uh, at Inside Psycho, and Facebook, it's just slash Inside Psycho. And uh, I'm all over the place. Uh, you can Google me. I'm at Mark Ramsey Media, and um, uh, I... Couldn't be happier to be on this show and talking to you and your audience. So thank you for doing this. You don't need yeah. to take the time, and I appreciate it. No, no. I, it's Like I, I explained to you earlier, it was really impressive that someone of your stature, now granted I'm just a little guy and you're a, a medium size. You know what I mean? It's all... It's all a matter of perception. What but, am I going to do for an encore? See, I've got to face see, that problem. And that's that's where I'm going with this, is I hope that when the second season comes out, we get an exclusive. You can come on here. You can announce it to the world. It'll be a big thing. Um, but honestly, when, when you do have your second season or whenever you want to come back, you just you, you have my email. Just get a hold of me. We'd love to have you. I appreciate that, and I'm surprised and impressed that you didn't ask me what the movie for the second season was going to be because I wouldn't tell you anything. Well, I, and I, I was going to, and then when you started to talk about the second season, I knew you weren't going to allude to what it was. So I, I'm like, why even bother? That's like uh, we had uh, uh, Randy Greenback as the executive producer for the Friday the 13th video game on a couple uh -huh. months ago, and he keeps he continually gets asked when the release date is. And he yeah. just keeps saying early 2017, and this was back in December, and I finally I was just like, when's it coming out? He just said, early 2017. I'm like, well, you know, whatever. We're hanging out. If you're not going to tell me, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, fingers crossed that it comes out eventually. But um, yeah, that's a good movie. If it goes on long enough, I'll get to that one. Because there are a lot of stories with Friday the 13th. That's for sure. And unfortunately, the, the rebootish remake got canned. Yeah. Which is... There's still story. Halloween, though. Don't forget. There's still there, Halloween. Oh, trust me. There's a lot. And with, with the remake of It coming out, I'm sure no, there's I'm talking a about there. the movie. The remake movie Halloween. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> there's still <laughs> that. We started with that one. 
Uh oh. Well, I don't know. I, you know, we. I mean, we've, we've talked about it because it could it could really be hit or miss. It could it could be it, it could it be could great. Be hit. It could be missed. That's yes. right. Um, that's the problem. <laughs> I had high hopes for the last remake of Friday the Thirteenth, and it did not live up to. You know what? Uh, just one quick anecdote. And again, I'm you know older than I look. Um, <laughs> although I maybe not. I don't know. But I remember being a kid, being in the audience for Halloween round one. And see, and that's why I wish I was older. So I could do stuff like that. Well, my point is you cannot recreate that moment with that exactly. franchise. Exactly. You can't. I mean, I remember being in that theater with a bunch of friends and the reaction in that theater for the movie, the original movie Halloween, John Carpenter, 1978, was crazy, crazy. And you can't. You can't just say, oh, well, we'll just apply a new twist and then we'll restart. We will experience, we will recreate that experience all over again. You can't do it. Mm -mm. You can find a new way into it. You can make a profitable movie out of it. You can even potentially restart the franchise, but you can't recreate that moment in history. And every generation has that moment, whether it's Friday the 13th, which had its own terrors. Um, I remember I was way too old for Last House uh, or way too young for Last House on the left when it was in its first incarnation. Mm -hmm. But I remember going to one of those midnight showings and it's like the people walking out of, I don't, I think we walked out. It was just, it was just, it was just unbearable to experience. Now it's like, yeah, okay, I get that. Last House on the left. No problem. <laughs> yeah. I, I my mother-in-law can't has, recreate that, you know? Yeah. My mother-in-law has ex explained to me, she, uh, when she went to see the exorcist in the movie theater and like how that was and people getting up and leaving. And I'm like, that just doesn't happen anymore. You have, you know, the That's row true. of kids in front of you on their cell phones. And then the, the two rows over are talking nonstop. And it's just, it's really difficult to get immersed into a movie. And by the way, that's one of the things with, with Psycho. You know, it was a marketing thing as much as it was a, 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 a film thing. And Hitchcock got very deep in the marketing of it. That's part five mm -hmm. uh, in terms of, you know, all the lobby cards and the, the stand-ups and the, the very unique trailer where he gave took you on a tour. Of the, he kind of did in the trailer what I did in part one at the Gein house. He took you on a tour of the set and the house and all that without showing you or telling you much of anything. And um, so it, it really, again, you know, how he, and it, that was also a time when people commonly went to the movies in the generic. You know, where are you going? What movie are you going to see? I don't know, whatever's there. We're going to go to the movies. Well, when does it start? Well, that doesn't matter. We're going to the movies now. You know, <laughs> we're going to be in the middle and then we'll just stay until we get to the middle of it again on the, when it, on the second showing. And that's what people did at that time. And it wasn't until Psycho where he set down a rule with the theater owners and said, if you don't come in at the beginning, you don't come in at all. And the theater owners were like, whoa, <laughs> we don't want to turn people away at the box office. But that was a time when people literally didn't care. Mm -hmm. They came in during the middle of the movie all the time. That's the way it worked. But he was so insistent that he didn't want anyone to miss anything. Um that he didn't allow that. And he also, he especially didn't want anyone, you know, if you see the end before seeing the first three quarters, you know, something is clearly lost. So it made no sense for you to see the end of Psycho and then roll back and see the beginning. I mean, no, and who would do that? See, I couldn't fathom like watching the middle of a movie through the end and then starting it over. See what I pieces, mean? Yeah, putting the pieces together. But uh, culturally speaking, you know, once upon a time, People did it all the time. They didn't have and, the movie phone guy. 
Uh, yeah, it was well before that movie phone guy. Yeah. And uh, that, that was 1960 changed all that. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you again. It was, a, it was an honor to, to be here and talking with you. So um, once, like I said, whenever you want to come back, you just let me know. Always happy to do it. Thanks so much. And I hope that uh, tons of people watch this and listen to it. So you, re- you run the audio on your uh, podcast? Is that what the plan is? Yep. Uh, the way we do it is we'll record like we're doing right now. And then I'll kind of level it out, throw bumpers on it, and then it'll come out on iTunes and everything. Great. This being not a normal episode, we do a little extra ones. An abnormal episode. I don't want to say it's abnormal. It's <laughs> still on topic. It's just a, a less than the normal structure. So this will come out in addition to the episode that came out uh, today as of recording it. So you get well, your own thing. I, 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 okay. <laughs> I hope that this benefits you as much as it benefits us. I hope so. Otherwise, is, I wouldn't be doing it. Well, no exactly. Offense. It's a, it's a give 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 relationship here. I'm you know I'm, I want to help you out. But I but sincerely, I am thrilled to talk to an enthusiast who's into the project and into the genre. I don't get enough opportunities to do that. I can't. I you know if someone out there is listening, you can make sure I get Comic Con tickets. You know, uh, my email is markramsey at mac dot com. <laughs> but if not. You know, this is as close as I'm going to get because I'm being in that waiting room for Comic-Con. For some reason, my number is always I always draw a really high number um, and my days of free passes are apparently over. So such as life. Maybe you'll end up on your own panel for your podcast. Well, if they do a podcasting panel, I would be very open to that invitation. See, I don't know how Comic-Con works. That is on two different sides of the country than I live in. We did. We well, cheese a con. I'd invite interested. you to come out and see it, but that would only take yet another ticket away from me. <laughs> no, don't fine. worry about it. Um, bucket list to get there someday, but uh, yeah. yeah, such is life. Um, so thank you. Yeah, thank you, Mark. Uh, we'll be in touch about the next season. So make sure you check out Inside Psycho. Uh, catch up. Stay tuned, and then harass Mark about the second season. <laughs> This has been a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com.